going to share maybe about probably I'll say five, but it'll mostly be about ten. Um, let me just share a couple of thoughts with you, if I could, for the next ten minutes. And if you have your Bible, I'll, I'll, I'll take us to a couple of passages of Scripture, and then we'll come and we'll, we'll feast together at the table of the Lord, and then we'll go enjoy each other's company uh, all throughout this building. Uh, I have uh, been captivated by Psalm 84 over the past several weeks, and Continuing the theme of our series, <clears throat> we've been in a series called Ancient Future Church, and we have been strategically tying together the titles of this series by a descriptor to the word community. So uh, we are a prophetic community. Uh, we are a new covenant community. Dan preached on the fact that we are a devoted community. And, and I don't have a good descriptor for this, um, because I want to talk about the fact that as, as, a, as the church, as the ancient future church, we are a people that are on pilgrimage. Uh, when we strategically mapped out this particular message as a preaching team, we, we said, why don't we, why don't we title this that we are a hope-filled community? We are a hope-filled or a hopeful community. There's something about the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, that when everything is falling apart, culturally, societally, uh, there is a hope that we have, not just as individuals in Christ, there is a hope that we have as a people. And, and uh, Sarah, what you shared what, was, was so appropriate because we are a people of promise, we are a people who stand in the inheritance of promises that go all the way back to the first promise communicated to Adam and Eve and then carried into Abraham. We're going to look at that here in a little bit. But, but one of the ways that God holds his people together and one of the ways that God guides us as a people is that he gives us promises. And they're promises that are based on the unchanging and unfailing nature of his character. We can trust in his promises because his promises are the outworking of who he is. We can trust in what he promises because we can trust in him. And many of you guys know our story. Uh, Christy and I were steeped in a particular stream of Christianity that, that, um, that was very strong on identifying the promises and was very strong on confessing the promises, but was a little weak on properly understanding and interpreting the full nature of those promises, those promises are not always just about us as individuals. And they're not always just about how our life is going to get better. The promises are that no matter what happens in this life, that I have called you together as a covenant people, and that in the end I will, I will win, and in the end I will make every wrong thing right, and in the end I will establish everything that I have promised to you, beginning with Adam and continuing throughout the eschaton. And so we are a people of promise. We are a people who have hope because we hope in what God has said he will do. Can I, get a, can I get a little amen on that one? So the hope drives us in our pilgrimage. And I want to look at Psalm 84 here. Uh, beginning in verse 1, Scripture says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and it longs and faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. Verse 3. 
Even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse five, this is the one. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, the author of this psalm is writing actually about an event that would take place multiple times throughout the year where people throughout the nation of Israel who were not living in Zion, who were not living in Jerusalem, where they would take pilgrimage journeys to Zion to go worship the Lord at particular feasts throughout the year. Um, Many of us are aware of, you know, probably the most cultural connection as we talk about uh, how the Muslims will make their trip to Mecca. There is a pil- it's a spiritual pilgrimage to Mecca. Well, we actually have that within our historical faith. The people of Israel will take spiritual pilgrimages to Zion. And this is what the author is saying. He's saying, I'm longing to be in your temple and I'm longing and yearning and aching and fainting to be in the concentrated presence of God once again. Now, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, we are now that temple. We are now as God's people, that spiritual temple where his presence abides. We don't have to take these these physical pilgrimages, but every single one of us are on a pilgrimage. As as Christians, we are what some theologians call resident aliens. We are in this world, but we're not really of this world. We're dual citizens. We're, We're called to care about the affairs of this world but we also care about the affairs of heaven and and we're taking our orders from uh, another citizenship. It's it's the value system of the kingdom that we're we're trying to see infused and and to grow here in the world that we're in. So so we're 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 residents but but we're aliens, we're strangers and we're foreigners and yet we're people of promise. We're people that God has said, "Stay with this. Stay in this journey. There are things that I have for you." And The journey will take us to some amazing summits. I mean, just some amazing summits. Christy and I had dinner last night with an amazing couple who went up to uh, Twin Lakes up near Buena Vista. And uh, as is their custom and the custom of one of their friends, they wake up every morning and and check out the sunrise when they're out in, in beautiful landscapes like this. And she showed me a picture which was absolutely breathtaking. Breathtaking. There's moments like that in our journey. There's moments like that where we experience the resurrection power and we experience the sensational, the miraculous, that sense of God is so imminent. He is so so powerful. He is so here. And there are parts of the journey when we don't feel him at all. And yet he is there. He is there. The same sunset that rose that we were able to experience and have those breathtaking vistas and capture in a moment, that same sunset is there regardless of whether or not we see it, feel it, taste it, experience it, capture it, watch it. It's still there every morning. And that's why God says, as surely as the rising of the sun, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And so, regardless of whether or not we have these high, high, high mountaintop experiences or these low, low, low seasons of life, our journey is a journey in God, driven by hope, fueled by the character of God, which is unchanging, which allows us to move forward in him. I I, I love this. Can we look at the next verse here in Psalm 84, Brittany? As they pass through the valley of Baca, that, that valley of Baca 
in the Old Testament is actually a valley of weeping. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, in our journey, in our pilgrimage, to that place of God's presence. And, and we, could even, we can even extract this and pull this out eschatologically and say, in our journey through life as God's people, as we are journeying into glory as God's people, we will travel through the valley of Baca. We will travel through the valley of weeping. There, there will be moments of great loss and great disappointment. And listen, let me just wanna, I just feel like I have to say this over and over and over again. Because of how we have so twisted and misinterpreted certain aspects theologically about who God is. When you walk through the valley of Baca, it is not necessarily because you did not have enough faith. It is not because you didn't extract the right formulaic system out of God's word and say it uh, the right way or with, with enough emotion or enough vigor or enough volume or enough times. Life has valleys of Baca. It just does. And some of us are asking God to heal something in us that he actually wants to heal through a people. I mean, think, think about this. There was a man in Mark chapter two who was laying on a mat paralyzed and the, the connecting point, the connecting point between him getting healed and touching Jesus was not his faith, it was the faith of his friends. And some of us are just saying, I'm gonna just grunt this thing out and I'm just gonna just double down and I'm gonna fight my way through this, which is commendable and it's good. And for some of us, it's all we've known. But that being said, God may be waiting to heal you when you're vulnerable enough to share your need to those in community so that they can actually be a part of the healing journey and process with you. It's not just about us receiving and inheriting the promises. It is about God fulfilling his word to form a people. That was his promise. And that's what we are a part of. And that's what we'll always be a part of throughout all of eternity. So God is faithful to that promise. God is faithful to that promise. Even as they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. And I wanna just declare over you that your Valley of Baca will be a place of springs. It will be a place of life. It will be a place of refreshment. It will be a place where the goodness of God kisses your pain and a place where the goodness of God kisses your loss and your disappointment and your grief and your sorrow and your confusion and your questions. His goodness will kiss those places in time. My word to you is keep walking forward in the pilgrim journey. Keep walking forward. Take another step. If you gotta sit for a while, if you gotta, if you gotta, get refreshed, you got to pull a snack out, you got to get some water, that's fine, but don't stay there. Keep moving forward. We need you. We're on this journey together. Let me, let me show you one more verse of scripture and then we're going to come to the table here. It's in Hebrews. I was reminded of this verse as I was thinking about the concept of, of pilgrimage. And I, and I think very often about our, our first pilgrim, a man by the name of Abraham, Father Abraham, who had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham, I mean, we could just go off. In Genesis chapter 12, most of us know the story. For those who don't, there's a man by the name of Abram, and, and God shows up, and God calls this man Abram away from his father, away from his family. He's an old man at this time. He calls him away from his father, away from his family, and away from his home. And this is what he says, hey, come 
and I'm gonna hook you up. I'm gonna bless you. It's gonna be awesome. And Abram's like, okay, where are we going? Don't ask questions, just come. Just come, follow me, and it's gonna be amazing. And, and actually, he didn't even say it's gonna be amazing explicitly. He just essentially said, come, follow me in this new journey of faith. Come on pilgrimage with me. Let's go on an adventure. Let's, let's travel together. That's what Christianity is. Let us travel together. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. There is, there is a destination, but there is a process. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is, is recounting the lives of great men and women of God in faith. And, and they start with this man by the name of, well, they don't start, but they, they also, they reference Abraham. And in verse eight, Brittany of Hebrews 11, I'll read this and then we'll get all charged up and we're gonna go charge the burger hill. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place that he would later receive as inheritance. See, we have been called to go to a place where we will receive as inheritance. It's called the new creation and the new kingdom. We are called to that, right? We are all here today, most of us, we are all here because we have responded to this call that God has said, I'm gonna translate you out of death and darkness and the dominion and the power of sin and I'm gonna call you to new life and a new creation, and a new kingdom. So we're all on this journey. We've responded to that, just like Abraham. So he obeyed, and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. Somebody referenced the season we walked through a couple years ago, and I, this is what people ask me every day, multiple times a day, for months. Where are we going? 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 Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I was like, seriously, I feel like I was driving a massive minibus, you know, with, with a bunch of four-year-olds. Sometimes we will literally put the, the seatbelt on my twins, strike up the car. Are we there? Are you kidding me? We've not even left the driveway. No, we're not there yet. What do you mean, are we there? You know, we're not there yet. And guys, listen, we're not there yet. He didn't know where he was going. Now, the beautiful thing here is that we don't know details of where we're going, but we do know, generally speaking, we are going where Jesus is taking us. We're following him. We're following him faithfully through his scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, through the wisdom of the church, through the wisdom of our great-grandfathers in the faith, right? For 2,000 years, we are going forward in Christ, by faith, verse nine, he had made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. That's us. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, verse 10, for he was looking forward. Say looking forward. That's us. He was looking forward. We gotta always be looking forward, forward, forward. Looking forward. There is a forward for you to look, to look for. There is a forward for you. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So what is the church? The church is a people that are on pilgrimage in God, for God, guided by God. And we are a community of hope. We're a community of hope. Some of you right now may not feel hope. 
You may not be experiencing hope. It may be hard for you to see hope. But listen, it's not just all dependent on you. It's not all dependent on you. Everything that we've been saying throughout this series and really everything we've been saying throughout the past two years is that Christianity is not just a privatized faith alone. All right? So if you do not have hope, borrow some hope. Borrow some hope. I've got some hope to spare. Get around some hope-filled people because we are a hope-filled community. And hope is not a feeling. Hope is not a sensation. Hope is this deep anchoring, anchoring down deep on the inside of you that knows without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter how bad it is or how bad it was or maybe how bad it's going to get, God, here's how we can have hope, because God is with us. Number two, because God is faithful. And number three, because God is always at work and he is working all things together for good. He's working it together. He's work, he is at work in it and he is working with it and he's working through it and he's gonna work together for good. And at the end of the day, when he gets the last word, it's going to be good. Take heart. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Jonathan, if you'd come forward. In the last evening of our men's retreat, I very vulnerably shared a, a season of, of pain and I shared a season of, of despair that I had recently walked through. And Chris got up and just very, just very masterfully and very pastorally said something that has just stuck with me. He said to the guys, he says, can you imagine if the kingdom lost Jay Duncan? And man, that, that hit me. And I want to say that over you. Because I, I think we don't, we, don't, we don't live with that in, in mind. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the kingdom lost Bernard? Can you imagine if our community didn't have Michelle Williams or Carmen Swank or the Ebels? I mean, these names that you just began rattling off, it's not, it's not one person or one service or one thing. Guys, it is all of us staying in the yoke, moving forward together over the long process of time where you'll stand up and you'll say, it, it, was, it was that dinner that I had with the Steels or it was that moment when Seth came over and he noticed. I mean, this morning I was in the back and John and Joy came up and they said, you're usually not sitting here by yourself. What's wrong? It's that, it's that, it's that. Can you imagine the kingdom or Antioch without Emily, without Scott, without the Vasuras, without Amber, without Sue Watson, without Thomas Blackshear, without Edwin and Betty Morales, without the whole Swank clan, without Jane Sue. That's why we need you. We need you. We need you. Somebody needs you. We can't do this without you. Listen to me. We can't do this without you. In the name of Jesus, I just declare for anyone in this room right now who is living under the shadow of a lie that would in any way infer that you're dispensable or you're expendable 
or that you're not needed or not necessary or not wanted or not belong. God, in the name of Jesus, I assault that lie by the power and the authority of God. And I command every lying and accusing tongue of the wicked one to be removed. And the truth of the word that says you are a vital, valuable, necessary, needed, integral, essential part of this community and this kingdom. And we need you. So by the name of Jesus, I pray for hope to be anchored in your soul and for faith to be revitalized and to be strengthened and for courage to well up within you and for a steadying grace as we continue for the next thousand years or until Christ comes. Ministers of the table, would you come forward this morning? your experience has been in church or in the Christian faith. This gathering where we come and we honor and we recognize and we remember and participate with the table of the Lord may have been a somber, fearful, fretful, anxious thing. It might be totally associated with deep introspection and God, if there's any trace of sin on me, deal, deal with me before I take these holy sacraments. And, and there's there's a part of that that's, that's good and right. But listen, that's not how I have family dinner with my friends or my family. This is a meal of celebration. It is a meal of rejoicing. It is a meal of gratitude. This is a meal of hope. Because Jesus said, we're gonna share this meal together on the other side. In fact, he said in, in the Luke account, he says, guys, listen, I'm not even doing this again. I'm not even doing this again until we get to do it in the new kingdom. And I'm telling you, in the new kingdom, it's not gonna be a little matzah cracker and a little, you know, half ounce shot of Welch's grape juice. In the new kingdom, it is going to be a feast a feast of victory and a feast of dominion and a feast of celebration and a feast of his kingdom being restored and the king coming. And why do we take this meal? We take this to say, God, orient our hope forward. That's why we take this. We don't just look backwards at this meal. We look forward because we are a pilgrim people that is a hope-filled community on a journey to the new kingdom and the new creation. Lord, today, thank you. Thank you, wow. Yep, thanks that we are now, we are now entering into kindergarten. Thank you, David. Great perspective. Thank you for all the lessons, all the trials. Thank you for all the failures, all the mistakes. Thank you for all the tears. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for all the laughter. Thank you for all the pain. Thank you for all the associations, all the friendships. Thank you for all the prayers. Thank you for all the songs that we've sung. Thank you for all the late nights and the overnights here in the building. Thank you for all the paint on the walls. Thank you for all the outreaches. Thank you for all the life groups. Thank you for the places around the world that we've able to experience and learn from and touch as well. God, thank you for the dry times. 
Thank you, God, just for the consistency. Thank you for the faithfulness. Thank you, God, that week in and week out, we can gather together, called here by the invitation of the Holy Spirit, responding by faith and obedience to see one another and celebrate who you are and what you've done. Thank you, God, today. We are grateful and we celebrate what you have done. Oh God, but more importantly, we celebrate what you will do in our future because it is bright. And we celebrate that day, oh God, when we shall be with you together as a family. Oh, we invite you to come to the table today and come in a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of rejoicing and celebration and may hope be renewed in you. In Christ's name, I invite you to exit on the left. Receive body, receive.